0: Man, I I love that. uh, I love that video. What a great question at the end. What do you see? I mean, there were 200 faces that just flashed uh, before us. And uh, the question, did you see race? Did you see color, politics? Did you see status? Did you see gender? We saw 200 faces that just like us, uh, like each one of us, is created in the image of God. Uh, You know, we live in this great time, uh, this time of great division. I mean, there's a Obviously, deep lines have been drawn. We all see it in the news between race and gender. Our world really is divided. And the Black Lives Matter movement and the Me Too movement have brought to the surface what has been... Uh, boiling and storming underneath for so long, for many years. And, and while we are one human race uh, created by God, and we all would uh, say yes to that, each of us would agree with that, each of us also brings different experiences, and our experiences not only are different, but for many are very, very different from each other. Yeah,
1: indeed. You know, it raises the question, uh, something that we don't probably like to think about or talk about necessarily, but the whole issue of prejudice, this idea of prejudging somebody. Prejudice uh, really is about forming an opinion about somebody without any reason or experience with that person. We simply form these opinions based on things like the color of their skin or their gender Mm -hmm. or their ethnic background or cultural background that, um, that we form these opinions. And we all do it the reality is we all do it. And the reality is we've probably all had it done to us for some reason or another. I know there are times where I get uh, uh, people are prejudiced toward me because I'm a Christian. And so, they assume things about what I think or believe or feel um, about different uh, things without ever having talked to me um, at all. So,
0: this idea of, of this prejudice that we all deal with. Yeah, no, Jeff, as we've been preparing, we are talking about stories where we've experienced that yeah. or where we've experienced that on the other side. And I was reminded of uh, almost on every mission trip, but certainly on every mission trip. To Haiti. And we've been uh, on 10 trips. I've been on eight of those uh, trips to Haiti. And while there, this happens every time, sometimes differently. But in every time, I am uh, seeing something that happens that that the Haitian culture participates in. Sometimes it's mixing cement. Sometimes it's the, the food market. And I have this moment in my mind where I start to think, boy, if only they could do it differently, do it the way I would do it, it would be so much better. And my assumption there is that my way, my thinking, my experience, is somehow superior than than someone else's. And then very soon after, as that thought is going through my head, uh, uh, almost immediately, sometimes a, a few minutes or even hours later, is I'll see a Haitian person, and I'll see them experiencing love or, or, or demonstrating love or uh, demonstrating a um, just a spirit of, of, of richness that I just don't have in my own heart and life. And I'm so reminded that... Um, that I, I'm blinded by my affluence, and I'm, 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 um, and I'm faced with my privilege in those moments, and, mm-hmm. and realizing how wrong I was in thinking that way.
1: Yeah. As we were uh, talking about this and preparing this, I was reminded of something that happened uh, to Marilyn and me when we were in Ghana in West Africa. It was back in 1989, and it was a formative uh, experience for us, and one of the ways that God really was preparing us to uh, uh, start Hope Church. But it was early in our month uh, that we were there. We were staying with a missionary couple at their house. We had gone out for a walk, Marilyn and I and we were walking back to the house. We were on this kind of unpaved back road and uh, there was nobody else around. But up ahead, I saw two black men walking toward us. And my first thought, my immediate thought was, this could be trouble. Mm -hmm. And um, as they got closer, as we got closer together, I could feel my uh, heart rate going up and my blood pressure going up and I'm getting more and more concerned. As we're getting closer, one of those men began to angle himself um, in our direction. They were on the other side of the street. He was now coming in our direction. And now I'm on this really heightened sense of um, concern. And as he gets to us, a big smile comes on his face. He lifts his hand. And in his hand is a flower, and he hands that flower to Marilyn and says, have a beautiful day, and they continued to walk on. I was so embarrassed and later felt so ashamed by my reaction. You know, if you're watching this right now and you're white, you may be thinking to yourself, I I can understand how you felt. And if you're watching this this morning and you're black, you're probably thinking, or you may be thinking, and there's the problem. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is very clear that things like prejudice, discrimination, racism, favoritism have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. You see, at the heart of those things is this belief at the very core, when you, when you get down to the essence, at the very core of those things is this belief that I am better than you or that we are better than them. And that is, you know, contrary to the teachings of Jesus. So our theme for this morning is this. It's not about who you like. It's about who Jesus loves. It's not about who you like. It's about who Jesus loves.
0: Yeah, Jeff, and this is really where the rubber hits the road. I mean, this is uh, real life right now, right? Uh, it's not about who you like; it's about who Jesus loves. And the letter that James uh, uh, wrote two thousand years ago is so relevant to this issue even today. Uh, so uh, we're going to be reading from James chapter two. It's going to be up on the screen right now, and it says this. I'm reading the very first first verse. James says, "My dear brothers and sisters." How can you claim to have faith in our Lord our in our in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others Now this really is a repeat of the conversation that he has in chapter 1 where he's talking about how our faith and our actions need to uh, are are really are really connected and have are that our faith is a natural byproduct of our uh uh of our actions and so you know one thing we haven't mentioned if you haven't uh, been reading James. Uh, this is a great book of the Bible that you can read. It's only five chapters long. Uh, you can read just a chapter a day, and and you know within a week you've uh, you've knocked it out. But you'll see that there is this theme that runs through the whole letter that our faith has an impact on our lives and how we live life. And so James begins this, this chapter with a really a rhetorical question. He says, how can you have faith and favor some people over other people? It's, it's, it's like he's, he's saying, how can you possibly claim to have faith and have favorites? And then he goes on and gives this example. Again, it's up on the screen. He says, for example... Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments Are guided by evil motives. Wow, he just slams them. (laughs) It's
1: brutal. You know what I love about this uh, illustration that James wrote? He wrote that illustration two thousand years ago. Mm. But what's fascinating is he could have written it last week. Yes. As I was reading that, I was thinking about our church, and thought, you know, if I were writing this illustration, how would I write it? And it might be something like this. Imagine that um, on a Sunday morning, a car pulls into our parking lot. This is when, you know, we're all together. (laughs) Um, A car pulls into our parking lot. It's a brand new Bentley. And out of that Bentley, a woman steps out and she is dressed really well and her hair and makeup and so forth are done really beautifully. And she walks into our lobby and it's her first time. And if you've been here, you know that when somebody walks into our lobby on a Sunday morning for the first time, they've got that kind of deer in headlights look. They're not sure where they're supposed to go and so forth and I would imagine as she walked in that she would very quickly be surrounded by people who mm. would welcome her and be excited that she was here and introducing her to other folks and showing her around the building and, and some women would probably offer to sit with her during worship and so on and so forth. Now imagine that same morning that a truck pulls into our parking lot. A 1992 Chevy flatbed that needs a new muffler. <laughs> that car, that truck pulls next to that Bentley and out steps somebody in dirty work boots and raggedy jeans and a hoodie and has black skin. And that man walked into our lobby with that same deer in headlights look. And I wonder what the experience would be. What would the experience for that person be? Now I don't think it would be like the experience that's talked about here where somebody would literally come up and say you can stand in the back or sit on the floor what I suspect is that maybe there'd be less people who would feel comfortable going to that man and making him mm. feel as welcome as we did that uh, that woman in that story you know it's it's this idea of um, when we're uncomfortable with somebody who's not like us, our tendency is to s- just give them distance, you know? Yeah. Like, that person's not like me. I don't know them. I'm just going to avoid them, give them space, live and let live, and that kind of thing. You know, in my family, we've experienced this in a way. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, um, I have a son, a 27, he'll be 27 in September, 27-year-old son named Matthew who has Down syndrome. And over his lifetime, we've watched this play out. When he was a little guy and we would go to playgrounds and parks and so forth, and Matt would go over to a group of kids, there would often be some parents who would grab their children and take them away to another part of the park to get them away from Matthew. As he got older uh, in life and, uh, and as a, a teenager and, a, and an older youth and so forth, Um, He was often the uh, victim of being taunted or mocked and and kids either directly to his face or off to the side. But really the experience that we saw most often was people who just avoided or ignored him altogether. They would act as if he weren't even in the room because he wasn't like them. It's not about who we like. It's about who Jesus is loves. And so this whole idea of um, how we overcome our prejudice and so forth um, is rooted right in that place that we need to look beyond who people are and, uh, and how we feel about that and reach out to them and touch uh, their lives and so forth. Uh, we're called uh, as Christ followers um, to build bridges, to break down walls that divide us and to build bridges. You know, the Apostle Paul uh, talked about this in uh, Galatians, yeah?
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. He said uh, there is, and I think it's on the screen, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ, and that again is this theme that Jesus practiced. That James mentions, Paul mentions it as well, and then James, we go back to James. He writes this challenge then, based on these ideas that 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 all of us are loved by Jesus, and that uh, uh, that there should be no favorites, there should be no prejudices. He says this uh, in verse eight. Yes, indeed, it is good. When you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, now that's written. That that comes from the Old Testament, but Jesus also refers to it in his teaching in the New Testament. And James is calling it the royal law because he's referring to Jesus here. That this was what Jesus called the greatest commandment. That uh, so so during a, during a moment when Jesus was having an engagement or an interaction with a. A religious person, they asked him, "Which what? is the most, uh, a greatest commandment of all the six hundred laws? Which is the greatest?" And Jesus said, "Love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself." Those are the two greatest commandments.
1: Right? Yeah, I love the fact that he called it the royal law. Yeah, royal you know law. that's that gives it this sense of nobility and importance and so mm. forth. Um, It reminds me of this uh, thing that we talked about a few weeks ago, this principle of, you know, when you're in the midst of dealing with an issue, that you ask yourself the question, what does love require of me, and then to do it? What does love require of me, and then to do it? Royal law, what does love require of me? We all love that. You know, we're all saying yes and amen to that. Here's the reality, though. (laughs) It's so hard to do. It's so hard to answer the question, what does love require of me, and then do it. It's so hard for me to love others like myself, especially those who are different than me. Mm -hmm. Um, So as Jesus uh, described that then, he told a story as he uh, would often do to illustrate this. And it's a story that I'm sure most of you who are uh, watching this this morning no, it's the story of the Good Samaritan. So after talking about the royal law, Jesus tells the story. And it's a story about four men, three of them who are Jewish and one who's a Samaritan. One of those men, the Jew, one of those Jewish men had been uh, uh, attacked on the road, beaten, senseless, and robbed, and is lying on the road bleeding. Down the road comes a priest, a Jewish priest. He sees the guy laying on the side of the road there, and he crosses to the other side of the road and keeps on going. A little bit later, a Levite, another Jewish man, walking down that same road, sees that same man bleeding on the side, crosses the street, and walks by. And then Jesus says, the third man, a Samaritan, walking down that same road seeing that same man had a very different reaction.
0: Yeah, so so here's the the Samaritans and the Jews has this have this historical hatred and animosity toward each other and Jesus now uses a Samaritan as the hero in the story and he says that a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man it says he felt compassion for him, and he went over to him. Now, in Jesus' story, this hated and despised Samaritan uh, had compassion for another person who didn't look like him, didn't act like him, and didn't even believe like him. And and the word is compassion. And if you've been to Hope before and heard me preach, I've talked about this word splagna. It's my favorite Greek word, right? It means to be moved with compassion. It literally means your bowels. And so uh, it's, it's the idea that our our emotions come from our guts, from our from our bowels. And we we kind of have a similar idea that we say that we uh, we love with our heart, right? So it's our heart is the seat of our emotions. And so Jesus says that this guy was moved. Uh, the religious people in the story, they were led by their head, all right? They're led by their mind. They logically crossed the street to avoid the hurt man. Like, like Jeff said, this is hard for us to do. And so when someone's different, we move to the other side, right? We safely and And we want to practice safety, want to be responsible, right? That was their priorities. Uh, And it makes sense logically. No risky behavior on their part. Yeah. But the Samaritan was motivated by his heart. He was moved by compassion. He was moved by his feelings. And so what he saw was so painful, it moved him so deeply that his stomach began to hurt, that he had to act, that his heart led him to what others might call the wrong side. Like he went to the wrong side of the road. He took a risk and he chose, really, he was choosing to live out the question, what does love require of me? And then doing it yeah you know
1: dr martin luther king in talking about this story um, had this to say dr king said the first question the priest and the levite asked was if i stop to help this man what will happen to me but the good samaritan reversed the question and asked if i do not stop and help this man what will happen mm. to him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's up on the screen there, right? Yeah, the first question. I mean, this really is this idea of uh, what does love require for me? and then doing doing it, it, thinking about the other person, right, for the sake of others. And so this is real wisdom for real life, to allow ourselves to be moved by our heart, to be moved by compassion towards another. And it really is talking about the courage to move towards someone, not to move away, to be moved by our heart. I mean, this good Samaritan, he chose to cross the street, he chose to cross a racially charged divide, and he moved toward someone who was different than him. And, And the Story really goes on and says that he touched him and he cared for him and he carried him. He even supported him. I mean, this was a close, intimate interaction that likely, likely, really included blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, I mean, this was this was two people really close together. They share. Uh, this guy shared his heart. He shared his time. He shared his resources with this man so that there could be healing. And and you know, we live in this socially distanced world right now, and it tells us to be separated. And I believe that's true, and it's right, and it's proper. But that's proximity. That That's what really what we're talking about. Jeff mentioned that we're to be bridge building, right? That we need to allow our hearts to be moved toward others. And as followers of Jesus, I think we can choose to follow our hearts And move towards something, move towards someone that it just maybe isn't logical, right? It might be risky behavior, especially those who look different, who even think or believe differently. Risky because we might not know how that story is going to unfold, right? But learning another person's heart, learning their hurt, and being healed ourselves and bringing healing to others. I really think that's the heart of this story for us.
1: Amen. Yeah, and, you know, the the reality is we are all created in the image mm. and likeness of God. Amen. Every one of us created by the same God in that same in, image and that same likeness. And so, you know, the question becomes, what do we do with a message like this from James who challenges us on issues of favoritism because of somebody's wealth or uh, because somebody is uh, different than us Mm -hmm. and so forth what do we do with this what are the some of the practical implications and um, i think the challenge begins at least for me of recognizing my own prejudices we all have it because it is part of the sin nature and uh, so i don't want to ignore it i don't want to deny it when it crops up and i have a reaction to an individual based on something like the color of his or her skin or gender or um, anything else that makes them look or feel different to me than myself, I need to recognize that. And then I need to take that next step. What love requires of me is to get to know that person. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I uh, began to do after uh, the, uh, murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, and, uh, and the protests that broke out around our country, um, I reached out to members of the HOPE community who um, are people of color. It's not just African Americans, but uh, people of color and uh, just expressed my heart through an email and said you know i'd love to talk with you about your experience and so forth and a number of people took me up on that and i was grateful for that it was an opportunity opportunity for me to uh, uh, put into practice the james passage that we talked about last week uh, to be quick to listen slow to speak slow to become angry and um, so just hearing their story and their experience with Uh, issues around race and discrimination and so forth. And it was just really powerful for me uh, to hear those stories and to be able to share my own experiences with them and to recognize that that's the beginning of a conversation. The other thing that I heard that I wanted to share with you this morning that it didn't surprise me, but it was such a blessing and encouragement to me. Each one of those folks I talked to said, you know, the first time I came to Hope, I didn't know what to expect and I was overwhelmed. I was grateful for the ways that people received me and accepted me and uh, introduced me to other folks and so forth. All the way back to that story I told at the beginning about that guy coming out of his truck and into our worship space. I know what kind of reaction that that person gets based on the experiences of others, but it takes each one of us to kind of come out of our comfort zone to recognize that it's not about who I like or who is like me, but who does Jesus love and to react to people that way. So as we close out our time together, let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you who created every man, every woman, every boy, every girl in your image that each of us bear the image of you deep in within us. And Lord, the things that divide us, the things that keep us apart are less important and less significant than the things that join us together. Lord, help us to live as Jesus calls us to live, to be bridge builders, to love others as you love us, that we might truly be your people and usher in the kingdom of God I pray these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week.